welcome to These Lads on Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalize mental health. These Lads are Mental recognizes the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. On this week's show, we've got the amazing Ed Jennings. Ed is a UK native who lives here in Sydney. He's a mental health advocate. He's an elite runner. He's a triathlete. He has his own movement called the Lung Club. This episode is an absolute cracker. We go into all things mental health, from endurance events, sleeping, recovery, and how mental health pathways are still yet to be formed. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. Well, looking forward to this, guys. Yeah, it's good to get you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you tell us about you. So Camilla put me in touch with you, didn't she? Yeah, You're a friend yeah, of yeah. Camilla's. Yeah, I'm a friend of Camilla's, um, customer of Limbus. And um, oh, yeah, we, we just got, <laughs> yeah. Can I'm you say that again? Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the troll on your Google reviews, just leaving horrible messages. <laughs> no, I love it. But um, yeah, no, Camilla. And um, yeah, she reached out and said, you guys start, were starting this and um had a bit of well a, a real interest in mental health uh for the last few years and uh yeah, i guess more recently started lung club and um was more than happy to to jump on and chew the fat tell us a little bit about Ed uh, jennings um obviously born and raised in sydney with that accent right exactly yeah where are you from where are you from and is the, is the lung club did you start the lung club here or was it yeah. back in the uk yeah so i started it here uh, Essex boy, born and bred, um, and then moved moved over here about four and a half years ago. So I was living in London um, and was kind of a bit fed up with life there and fancied a fancied a change. Luckily, managed to get a move with work and yeah, haven't really looked back. So um, yeah, been out here four and a half years, working uh, prop tech, so technology for for real estate and um, more interestingly love to get out and train my lungs and help my mind so mm-hmm. yeah pretty pretty fanatic in terms of endurance sport kind of I guess fueled by living somewhere where getting outside is much easier and uh, a lot of fun um, so yeah I was kind of got, got involved with triathlons and uh, had to go a few Ironman and just got completely hooked so did that start when you were still in the UK, like the lung club part, like, so the whole triathlon thing before. Yeah. No, I was kind of like out of uni, like played team sports at uni, obviously then kind of looked for what was next to kind of fill that gap. So started doing a bit of running and did the marathon and like, liked it, but then always loved cycling. So I kind of started taking that a bit more seriously and then signed up for a, an Ironman actually just before I moved out here. So that was back in Switzerland, but thought I'll still do it. It was with a load of mates from home and, um but it meant I arrived in Sydney and like I had like four months till the Ironman so it kind of forced me to straight away just like work out how to train and and do it here and that was awesome because like every weekend I was cycling down to the Royal National Park or up to the Kuringai and swimming in the ocean and 
terrified of sharks, but that's <laughs> to deal with all that. But it, it meant like straight away, as soon as I got to Sydney, like that kind of became, you know, what Life. I knew and what I loved here. And yeah. And then, yeah, I guess after that, so I did one Ironman was like, that was brutal, but you forget the pain pretty quickly. And I loved it. Like I loved the the kind of structure it gave my life and, you know, something to think about outside of the, the daily grind. Like um, it just, it just got me pretty hooked pretty quickly. Added to which like I did okay in the first one, but felt like I probably could get a fair bit better at them. So then kind of decided to just like throw myself into it and got a coach and trained, trained a lot harder and uh, did another Ironman out here over in WA, uh, Bustleton in 2018 and did a lot better then. Um, and basically in Ironman racing, there's like one holy grail. The Mecca is going to Kona, which is the world championships in Hawaii every year. And uh, a, a lot of people try and go, but you only get uh, a certain number of slots per age group. So it's still amateur, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's what everyone aims for if you're kind of serious in Ironman. So kind of thought, well, it'd be awesome to, to give that a real, real crack. So 2019, I was like, this is my goal. And uh, probably became slightly unhealth, unhealthily obsessed with it. You know, training weeks up to like 20, 24 hours of training a week, like 400K on the bike. 90k running 10k swimming plus a bit of strength getting in the sauna um yeah <laughs> Swans we're, we're to go for that sauna, mate. <laughs> <laughs> where, where exactly what's the street address of that place <laughs> <laughs> so um and it, can, yeah. can i ask you a question about you know i i watched another interview you did where you kind of said there was a bit of a snowfall snowball effect with this side of fitness you know you do i think you said a half marathon and yeah. then you go, oh, that wasn't too bad. Maybe I'll do a yeah. full marathon. And then you do that. 100%. And then did I did I hear right? Because you know Rory and, and some of the boys as well, right? Did you yeah. end up doing that weird ultra marathon thing, which was like 100 kilometers or something last year? So I haven't done that. I did the 50, which felt long enough for me. But um, but I mean, it is like, it's, it's amazing how the mind works in that respect. I remember first hearing about an Ironman and being like that is ludicrous like how does a man do that or a woman do that like it's just but I remember do you do I think for me it was like an Olympic distance triathlon and then you understand like okay that's kind of how it works and it it, it seems crazy but actually when you're in the flow of a triathlon like it, it's not one plus one plus one like it all becomes one like and they kind of complement each other like, I, I actually enjoy running off a bike ride almost more than just going out for a run like I've warmed up and I feel a bit better in a way but you've got to get used to it but each one you finish always hurts you're always like oh but then there's always a bit of you that's like but I probably could maybe so it is it's complete snowball effect and it's like it's the way we're we're made isn't it you're always thinking and to our detriment sometimes but you know what's next what can I do more whether it's in work whether it's in, in sport like uh, I'm not saying I think that comes down to we, I've heard a lot of uh, I don't know if you've heard this as well Gary but neuroplasticity a lot of people are talking about that you know I've heard it so much in the last 12 months but it, is that linked like between mind and body where you know like like you're saying you push yourself you know you got more your your mind or your, your whole mentality then adapts it goes a little bit wider and then you know you can do more do you think some of that is down to that neuroplasticity yeah I think that makes a lot of sense I think it's there's almost like a turning point, I think, when you, you break a mold, you break a moat through a moment where you realize how much more capable you, that you are than you realized. 
And that might be when you never thought you could run 10K and then you do it. And then you realize that 10K barrier you had in your head was completely fictional. And it's like, it's almost like it's a, a moment where you realize it's not that then I can just add 5K. It's like, really, I can do anything. And I think that's what, you know, you need to have that mark for the guys that run the 100Ks and, you know, all these ultra endurance thing. It's as much as you've got to get your body ready, it requires a mindset where you just, you know, you can, you can, you can get through it. And um, hmm. I think yeah, it probably does relate to that. It's similar to that whole, um, you know, the average of people you're, you're, you hang around with, the five people you hang around with. I mean, if you wanted to get better at 100Ks, I imagine you could do 100Ks, just start hanging around with people who do 100Ks. Yeah. And it sounds so simple, but that's really what happens in most places you go. If, like, the standards instantly rise to, to yeah. people you're around because you're thinking, 100K, there's no way. And like, oh, you just do this, you just train like this, you do this. And then, like you say, that just obviously you don't go from 10K to 100K, but you start to realise they're all doing it. I can do this. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. Um, I bet, what's your PB on the, the Ironman? I just broke 10 hours, so 9.58. Oh, nice, mate. What's your, so, what's your goal? Have you got like a wee... So, well, really, okay, after that, so... Uh, it, I was happy with it, but like I was kind of on for like a 9.30, which might have qualified for Kona. Um, and I completely blew up in the, the back half of the marathon. And so I kind of finished that being like, yeah, super happy, great PB, great one to tick off, sub 10. But I was like, there's definitely more, more juice in the tank there. So that was actually, they're going into 2019. I was like, this is it, here we go. That's when I got the coach, Clayton Vettel up in uh, Byron. And yeah, it was awesome. Like really committed to it that year and uh had a few good like leading events and then when i did noosa triathlon in november this is about a month out from from the the bustle to nine man again uh and i stress fractured my my foot uh classic david beckham injury uh, <laughs> came off the bike and like was like oh something doesn't feel right and uh, i was like i'll keep running we'll get through it and then about 5k and i turned a corner and was like oh no and then all I was thinking while I was running I was like I could I could still run but all I was thinking is there's just no chance I'm going to be starting that race in a month and it yeah. started just like you know, I was it was just yeah I mean I'm it's sure not, like, you know it, isn't that the worst thing about an injury the minute you get injured the first 10 seconds in my mind is always the worst because immediately yeah. you go like wherever you are in whatever stage or whatever sport you just think oh shit I've just missed that oh it's gonna this is gonna be at least three months rehab oh I'm gonna yeah. It's all you're thinking about is how long you're going to be out for. Um, so I, like, I came off that and I was, I, yeah, it's was pretty gutted. I think it made me realise like I've just put everything into that year and, you know, like that was 100% the focus and the goal. And, it, and like it had kind of become my identity. Like I'd arrive at a social event and the first thing people ask you is how's Ironman training going? <laughs> and, and it's like fair enough because that's kind of all I'm doing and you sacrifice a lot of things and you know a few weeks out you're not drinking and um it kind of like it really I, I kind of got to a point where it's like I actually don't know what else to talk about because I'm I'm doing I'm doing this thing like 24 hours a week I mean always me but it's the same with mental health I had the same thing with you when you start going down that rabbit hole and you start becoming like more aware and like into something it, then I felt like I'd meet any Tom, Dick and Harry on the corner of the street and go, I've got mental health and I do all these things. And then people were like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. great, thanks, mate. And then <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, kind okay. of going, there is more to me than just this one thing. <laughs> like, yeah. So that, that yeah, I, 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 I think that it kind of, yeah, it put me in a worse spot because I just became, like I now talk about, we'll come on to Lung Club shortly, but 
you know, I talk about, you know, training the lungs to help the mind and the power of, of exercise for our mental health in so many different ways. But that's not to say it always is, is the answer. And I was, wasn't using it in the right way. Like I, I literally, all I was concerned about is hitting the right numbers that week and, you know, making sure I ran swam far enough. As I was all I was thinking while I was running was, you know, the, the notification I'm going to get at the end saying I've ticked it off and I've done that and just working towards it. All I had in mind was that end goal get to the race like i've just visualized that race so often um do you think it's so a form no, of, uh, do you think it's a form of addiction you know even though yeah. what you're doing is a positive thing just do just do still think there's similarities there to addiction yeah 100 and you know learning a bit more about kind of dopamine and you know the, i guess the the kind of dependence and uh, you 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 get on it and, and also you know each time you do it you need more to get the same you know dopamine uh kind of uh lift so yeah I, I do think it's addictive um but i think that's not to say you can't manage that in, in the right way i just think in, in at that point in time i wasn't i wasn't doing it in the right way and i think the kind of the down you get associated with the injury and i'm sure you guys know, know all about that and you know it, it's natural um but i think it was more than that it kind of made me realize like let's just step back i don't think this is sustainable um and yeah so actually at that point I, I thought I started thinking about like lung club as a kind of idea um, and actually at that point I, did, I just set up a, a kind of a blog post and I wrote a bit about you know that year and kind of the, the lead up to the injury and you know some of the realization of that and then just kind of I wasn't I kind of just put it on on hold a bit and um, it was a kind of thought that was bubbling away but at that point I really I just thought it'd be good to have um a space where we can share stories about about this link between the mental and physical health like for me i'd realized that year like they're so entwined and most of the time for for really positive reasons but equally in in some cases you've got to be wary that it can go the other way as well and with, with like was your, your mental health specifically that drove you to creating lung club like could you tell us a little bit about yeah yeah for sure so yeah it was um but then actually the following year, a really sad, kind of sad event then happened with uh, a good mate back from the UK. He lost his dad to suicide. And that was in February 2019. And he uh, he just, yeah, dealt with it in such an incredible way. Uh, not that there is a right or wrong way to deal with it, but I mean, the energy and the the inspiration he gave me after that was was insane. Like he... He immediately did a huge, he was always planning on doing a big 100k run. Um, that his dad would have been there to support him through. And um, he, he still, that was kind of a week after it happened. And he still went on and did that and decided to raise money for a charity called Sport in Mind, which is a UK charity all about helping those facing uh, mental health illnesses through the power of sport. Um, so he was raising money for them. And I thought that's just, that's an awesome idea. Looked like a great little charity, wanted to help out. So I decided to do the cycling Everesting challenge where you find a hill and you cycle up and down it continuously until you reach the height of Everest. Um, so this was lockdown 2020. Um, and so I picked a hill in Bondi, got up, went and just, just did it all day, about 18 hours of, of cycling and a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a big day. It's more, more than repetitive, 140 reps up uh, Duruga Hill, if you know it, the one that goes from corner of the golf course in Bondi just up there yeah. um so look, I, I was doing that and I was like the main purpose was raise some money for sport in mind raise some awareness um 
it kind of became a lot more than that. And while I was cycling up and down, like a lot of people came out and joined me and we talked a lot about mental health that day. And um, I just thought it was, it kind of became like a kind of epiphany in a way, like while I was doing it, uh, probably because I was hallucinating and uh, <laughs> <laughs> just so tired. Um, I'm picturing, yeah, it was a Forrest Gump, you know, when he, he goes running and then like, yeah, all yeah. These random the, the shackles up. came off. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, yeah, yeah. Whilst I, uh, whilst I was doing that, I just, I, I, the, the kind of idea in my head was there's so many amazing bits of fundraising and awareness and um, great charities in place for mental health. You know, there's there's some great stuff out there, but for me, I felt like there was a maybe a missing link that was like bringing them all together. Or uh, for me, like you've you'd hear a, a horrible tragedy and there'd be a big fundraising effort after it, but then we'd kind of sometimes forget about it until the next tragedy happens. Yeah. I just thought maybe having a space, like a, a kind of global community that just keeps that conversation going throughout, you know, talking about, um, talking about issues. And, and really for me, the, the, the biggest piece was just promoting that simple message that using the right way sport can help in so many ways. And I guess I've found like a lot of mental health literature when you start looking into it, like it can be quite overwhelming. It feels like there's a lot you could be doing for your mental health. Um, but for me, sport kind of was one simple way of bringing in a lot of those elements. Like you mentioned earlier, if you go for a run without headphones, that can be like a, a, a real form of meditation or, you know, you can really either think a lot about stuff or think nothing at all about anything. You know, you can use sport from a community point of view and whether it's running with a mate, cycling with a mate. Like for me, uh, as, as, a, as an introvert, as someone who, who does find it quite hard to, to speak about how I'm feeling, sat next to someone on a bike, running next to someone, it, it's just, I find it so much easier. And I know a lot of people who, who are the same. And there's something about that kind of mutual pain you're going through, you know, and, and equally just not, not looking at someone in the eye, you know, sitting over the coffee shop table with them or, or having a beer or you know over zoom like we're doing now it's it's much easier if we were all just out having a run together you see um, you see yeah, yeah. <laughs> the legs are going underneath legs are going 100 miles per hour. <laughs> um, but um but i think it's it's a really powerful tool and i think especially these days when as as men in particular uh we're, we're famous for, for not sharing how we're feeling and, and do find it harder a lot of the time and a lot of the time the most obvious place to catch up or talk about things is the pub mm. um which also has its its downsides i think you know promoting doing that through sport whether it's a walk or run whatever it is yeah i have never really thought about it the way you just described that that it's it's almost like a natural remedy that's right in front of us and mm. often we look for the explorative answer of you know things like meditation which are great as well but in you know how easy is it and how accessible is running which is you know maybe the cornerstone of what you do with the lung club that anybody can do it i was just thinking that when you were speaking the nice thing about the lung club is that you can do it like anywhere anyway, you yeah. don't need a tool you don't need anything a pair of runners shorts preferably a t-shirt you might be all right and away you go and that's all you really need and that's right at everybody's fingertips no matter if you're doing ultra marathons or you're running for the first time so it's actually quite amazing when you think about that 100 i think that but I, I think as well mate we, obviously we've had a few guests on like we've had people who are experts in all sorts of fields and obviously 
Sully, you have Nimbus. It's got a wide range of um, health benefits as well. But we say all the time, the simplest simplest thing is usually the answer. It really is. It's a case of, for most people, the mental health aspect, like you've touched on, Ed, you said, um, like, the the sporting aspect. I always remember, like, the amount of times, and Sully, you can relate to this as well, playing football here at amateur level in Sydney, your training's at 9 o'clock at night, or 8 o'clock at night, or whatever it may be, and you come home from work, you're knackered, you maybe have your dinner, you're sitting on the couch, and you cannot be arsed leaving the house. You may have had a bad day at work, your head goes, but then you go to training, and you finish training, you come home, you're absolutely buzzing, you're elated, you're, you've been laughing at training, you've exercised, you've had a laugh at the boys, and you're buzzing. You, know, you can go for a pint after whatever else, but you're absolutely, you're, your mental health is in a completely different place, and you've only been away for like 75 minutes. Yeah. And you've not been in a hard session, you've just been in that environment, that sporting environment. And that is so simple. Like, there's no, there's not a special program or you need a coach for that. It's a case of how many community sports can you go to? You can go and play basketball at a local court. You can go, there's a million things. Even go a walk. Do you know what I mean? A, a big walk. I think yeah. I read uh, the weekend, it was, I can't remember, it was a quote from someone. It was like, the answer to the most, um, if you've got a problem, go for a walk. And if you come back and you've still got a problem, go for another one. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it's just that. I think Andrew Huberman's talked about it as well, like optic flow. And and if you're walking, you're moving. Like it's calming. Yeah, it reduces our stress response. Like there's there's definitely neuroscience around it as well. But for me, like there's so many things that I know can be so powerful. But trying to squeeze them into a day sometimes feels hard. Like you know, try my best to to meditate and but you know. There, there can there can be sometimes where you just feel like oh, I can't actually fit it all in or you know we're told to eat well and to you know get out and, and, and socialize and see people and like, there's so many things that can fill our buckets but for me like that there's one solution that can actually do quite a lot of them in a really simple way um, and with you Ed like was it. there any like was there any internal battles with you and your own like psyche because it sounds like you know as you were going further and further you had more goals and if you didn't hit those goals, like what was going on then inside your head with Ed? Like, would you start beating yourself up or how did you navigate all that? Yeah, I think, yeah, hundred percent. I think the, you, you start to tie, I got to a point where I was tying myself worth to my performance and to how fit I was and to how far I'd run that week. And, and, and that definitely wasn't healthy. And I think, you know, talk about living in the present and, and focusing on the now. And I wasn't doing that. I think that's the, that can be the real risk of, you know, these challenges and goals. I think they're, they're a really useful tool to give you purpose and they're a really useful tool um, to give you an external kind of motivation. But I think you've also got to be aware that actually it's irrelevant whether you succeed in that or not is the journey is is what it's all about. And I'd, I'd really do my best now to, to harness that and actually like whatever you're doing, if you're out for a run or a swim, like just enjoy that for what it is because we're lucky to be able to move. And uh, it, I find it much... Uh, yeah, much more powerful to be able to just enjoy those individual workouts and that if you're working towards something great and get out and enjoy like I still enjoy competing and enjoy racing and um, I, I hope to do that for a while but it's irrelevant if you can't enjoy the process and that journey towards the goal. And what about the group mentality? I think Gary, you were saying it on like if you're in a group you kind of tend to push each other and then you know mm. um, I don't know if you're part of that Scott who you know where is a mutual friend added me to some training group which I was like, okay, cool. And then I was in there with all these other triathletes. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, oh, you've added me to the wrong group, mate. <laughs> he was like, oh, you'll be fine. I was like, okay, I can barely swim, but like, put me in there. <laughs> see how I go. 
And then everyone was like, oh, but what I thought was great about that was someone would put in a post going, hey, I'm going for a jog like like in 20 minutes. Anyone keen? And all these other people go, actually, yeah, I might actually join you. And then all of a sudden there's like a group of five of them will go off to a run. Like, are you in that group first and foremost? And like, do you think that group mentality helps you overall as a as a person? Yeah, I definitely do. I'm not not in that group. But I think um, I think it's really, and I think you've seen it, like the growth of these grassroots community sports clubs seems amazing. We're part of a, a broader group called More Than A Run, which is an event for November. Um, and the guys have pulled that together, have pulled together like well over 100 run clubs all around Sydney, New Zealand, or Sydney, Australia and New Zealand. And um, it just shows like all it really is, is starts off with a group of mates who say, you know, we love doing this. Uh, let's throw the invite out. And if people want to join, then great. And, you know, look at like a group like Bondi Salties who swim every Friday morning and they, they do a bay. And it's now like 150 people go to that on a Friday morning. And it just shows like the community element is so important. So important. can I just mention the Bondi Salties? Because I used to live beside Brew, the cafe. Oh, it's a nightmare. And <laughs> I was like, it would literally wake you up at 6 a.m. every Friday. And I'd be like, oh, there's the swimmers again. And then yeah. I'm like, if you didn't get out before them, you'd have to wait an hour to get a coffee. Like, you know, you were the, you were the one putting out shark reports, being like, oh, guys, they <laughs> can't swim today. Yeah, council. I was putting all these like, you know, um, complaints into the council and whatnot. Yeah. God, you hear that? Like, it sounds like such a first world problem. I couldn't get my coffee for like an hour. Like, oh, <laughs> <I don't... laughs> that is a first world problem. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, interesting as well to talk about. Uh, obviously, we're t- talking about a lot of things in terms of being aware of your own mental health and being aware of um, like mental health awareness in general. But something that uh, Sally mentions quite a lot is the pathways for mental health. And I do think it's interesting, even what we're doing on this podcast is. We'll try to bring awareness to it, but I, I still think, like, and you just touched on it, Ed, it's almost like something happens and it's like, oh, mental health, or it's Movember and everyone pushes for it, and then it's just kind of like nothing, 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 and then, oh, did you hear about such and such? This happened to them, or they're hit, they're in a bad headspace, or something happens on a new, like Tyson Fury, he went through his mental health and he was on Joe Rogan and all the rest of it. Lots of awareness again, but then it's like, oh, what's really as much changed in terms of, like, and Sully always uses an analogy, like, if you get injured, uh, say you're doing a race or whatever it may be and you pulled your hamstring you go right okay I'll go and see the physio physio give me a rehab plan week one to week 12 and then I'm here and then I'll go back, back to my return to train and my return to play and then you know where you are yeah. the mental health there isn't anything really of like like you said there's lots of things you can do and obviously it's going to be very individual what works for you but where do you go like where do you go there is so many options still you can go to you can call somebody, you can go to a friend, you can meditate, all these trials, other things, but what is the pathway? And are we ever going to get to a path? Is there ever going to be a pathway? Or is it always just going yeah. to be awareness, awareness, awareness? No, I think it's a really good point. And I think it's like, especially thinking around, you know, we think often when we talk about mental health, we think of that, you know, bottom end of the, the spectrum of like someone who's really struggling, um, anxiety, depression, you know, in a really dark place. But ultimately mental health is the whole spectrum of mental health. Yep. Um, it's more an awareness around around how we're feeling on a, on a daily basis. And I think, you know, there's definitely different pathways that you need to kind of, first of all, be aware of so you can pursue the right activities and the right journey, depending on, on how you're feeling. Like, you know, therapy is a, a great tool. It might not be right for everyone, depending on where they're at in their own journey. But understanding that 
that help is there if you feel you need it is is a really important element i think the awareness around that and destigmatizing that is has got to be up there near the top of the list in terms of our priorities and um especially i think in uh, amongst males understanding that you know there's no weakness in seeking out help for that kind of stuff is, is really important but I, I think also it's it's just getting those little habits in place that help you on a daily basis and if that's you know five minutes of mindfulness if that's you know running three times a week like it's the consistency and approach to that that i think is really powerful because i think actually you know we give a lot of attention towards you know those suffering uh, or, or the you know the the more severe end of the, of the spectrum but i think there's increasingly you know a struggle for people who might not ever you know experience deep depression but might you know have a, a daily grind and something that just nicks away at them every day but if you're facing something like that you know over a number of years that can just wear you down in a, in in a similar way so i think it's that kind of understanding the the small tweaks you can make on a daily basis and the small options that that help you feel better um is a is a pretty powerful thing to to get you on the right on the right journey as well and ed have you found with the lung club when you're out with the with the guys and is it just guys that you work with no 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 guys and girls yeah guys and girls yeah do you find that people are more vulnerable when they're like out on the the road like when you're chatting do you think that people open up rather than they would let's say if they were just you know meeting you for coffee i really do yeah this is i think like one of the biggest things about it i, I feel like people and you know maybe because if you're running with lung club you feel it's a it's a group revolving around mental health and exercise so maybe that helps as well but i think generally i think just just running with someone and um just being in that same rhythm of, of movement it just it kind of takes the barriers away it doesn't feel forced you know you go out for a, a catch-up with someone and you're kind of like it can feel kind of under pressure like you, you've got an hour to catch up with someone and you've got to go through the stuff you've got to go through how's work how's family it's like a it's like a checklist yeah. whereas you're running you're not coming with any pretense of like i'm here to talk about you know the big pitch i've got to do next week is is there to you can sit in silence just as just as happily yeah and i think that's what's quite nice about it it's also yeah even if you're on your own it's quite meditative for me whenever I go running. I, like, I know a lot of people say, oh, I hate running. But my answer to anyone that says that normally is like, if you start running, no matter what pace it is, after a while, because it was a brief period of my life where I got into running and I was running competitively, but only short distances. And it became like, I used to call it like the drug. And then when I used to start running, you get into this thing that I used to call autopilot. So after you run a few kilometers, you have this pace and you can literally, I felt like I was in my armchair where you could just, I could just keep going at this pace forever. And when you start doing that, you're literally bringing your own walls down. And then it was a really nice place to think about things that maybe yeah. you couldn't even get to yourself, never mind like somebody else. Have you found that yourself? Like when you're on your own, does it take you to places of your own thoughts that maybe you can't get to in everyday life? Yeah, massively. I think it's a, it's a good point around like the pace you run at as well. Because I definitely used to, every time I thought you go for a run, to go for a hard workout so I just used to go out pretty much as hard as I could and you run for a half an hour 40 minutes and then you're dead and it's still you know it's, there's a lot of value in that but for me understanding slow running and zone two training and talk, being able to run at a talking pace like that just opens up a whole world of possibilities and that's when you can start running further and for me yeah, that's that's definitely where I get myself into a much more calm headspace like I, I don't think I think about anything funnily enough like 
sometimes I think I'll go for a run and you know think about what I've got to do that day and actually as soon as I start running I can't think about anything I find the same with cycling like and I think that's the whereas if I sit down and, and try and meditate that's suddenly when all the all the thoughts come to the front of my head and it's often a bit of a battle to to find that headspace whereas when I exercise it I don't actually have to have to think it's just my mind just just kind of yeah goes and to just, another place just thinking about your routine because Gary's very well mastered in the arts of like you know everything that goes into a healthy routine whether it's sleep you know food yeah. and things like that as you were kind of progressing through your own like let's say you know because I was kind of laughing it around to myself thinking Gary was like you know if you go for a walk if you're still stressed go for another walk but yeah. I was like probably in Ed's case it was like I'll go for a run if you're still stressed go for a longer run if you're still stressed yeah. try Martin <laughs> then it keeps going but, yeah how did the whole like did you get like into the whole sleep eat you know how did that happen and like was that challenging like did you have to like increase your calories as you're on this like did it get mm. to any unhealthy places where because when you often when you run you lose weight a lot and yeah when I used to run people used to say god you look awful you must be fit <laughs> <laughs> no oh, that's it's, that's like a saying it's true, though. that's a saying in the running world like oh you look awful you must be in great shape because you know you lose the weight I got down to like nine percent body fat at one point and then yeah but then it actually it started like playing with my insecurities a bit because you'd meet someone and they go oh you're really skinny uh-huh. and then you'd be called yeah. skinny 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 and then well, like all fail. You're like, i feel amazing like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's definitely i remember the there's a photo of the day i broke uh, my foot on that race and my face is so gaunt and yeah yeah it's, it's not that attractive but that's a chat. I mean, it depends what you're what you're doing as well. Like if you're Ironman training, yeah, you've got to take in a lot of calories because you're burning burning a lot. Um, but then it can be an unhealthy kind of environment as well. Like you you kind of aim for that very lean physique, I think, probably in, in that kind of racing. Um, you judge judge competitors by how many veins are in their legs and all that kind of stuff. So probably uh, probably not the healthiest. But I think now now the, the good thing for me about exercise is for me it solves the sleep component like if i've trained hard that day i find i well not even hard if i've if i've exercised I, I tend to find i i get into a better sleeping rhythm if i know i'm gonna get up at half five in the morning go for a run like i've managed to go to bed earlier and for me it, it is is kind of the pillar of, of that healthy routine um and i think yeah eating kind of adds goes into that category as well of you know you, you kind of think maybe a bit more i mean I, I wouldn't say i'm particularly careful about what i eat but definitely feel uh it, it all adds into into that one bucket of of trying to look after yourself in the best way possible yeah so that's what one of the things and then so i've touched on this with you is like throughout the years again there's so much information on sports science and health and etc etc but i've always tried to look at the simplest possible things and I've always, and I've mentioned this to Sally, the way I do it with players or whoever I'm working with is just, I call it brain, eat, sleep and train, just B-E-S-T for best. And I always say yeah. to people, I'm not expecting you to fix your mindset, eat amazing, sleep amazing, train amazing, because chances are by doing just one of those things, it will unlock the rest of them. So yeah. chances are you're not shit at all of those things. You might be training already and the training routine might be absolutely fine, but you might be sleeping shit which in turn is making your nutrition shit because you're waking up tired and you're getting lazy and picking an easy option, which in turn is making your, your mind wander and do things you're not happy with yourself. I was like, get to bed early, fix your sleep routine. You'll probably find you make better nutrition choices because you're already training well. And then that can happen for any one of those things. 
tends mm-hmm. to fix one thing and it has that knock-on effect. And in most cases, I'm sure there's some cases that's not the point, but the point is thinking, getting overwhelmed of like, ah, oh, I'm overweight, I'm around shape, uh, shape, I'm not sleeping well, I'm stressed, I'm not eating well, what do I fit? I need to fix all this stuff and it gets overwhelmed. It's like a case of one thing at a time here. Just yeah. fix the, the lowest hanging fruit. And it usually is sleep. Sleep's usually the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. If you're someone who loves exercise like yourself, training might be the lowest hanging fruit. And then you go, well, I'm going to sleep better anyway because I'm training. Yeah. And, my, and my run was shit yesterday, so I'll maybe be taking better care of my breakfast because I know I'm going to run later. And yeah. then after my run, I feel better. And you've just ticked off all the boxes. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good approach. I also, yeah. and I think look, your whole journey, Ed, is a really good analogy of what you just said there, Gary, because let's say the first time you went on whatever it was a run or a swim where you thought maybe I might, you know, do this, pursue this a little bit further. If someone had said to you then, oh, you're going to try and do Kona, you know, like in three years time, you'd probably tell them to piss off. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like that with mental health, you know, if you think about your journey and getting to like feel better or recovery or whatnot, that the pathway can seem long. But if you just take it one step at a time, one race at a time, let's say to use like your story, hmm. you can get there. And it, it if you break it into chunks, like what you were saying, Gary, like just, you know, start with one breakfast, it might be, and then that can just snowball into something else. And then it can be less daunting then, you know? Yeah. I think we're so, it's so easy to jump ahead to that end goal and just think it's all hopeless because how would we ever get there? But you're so right, just just picking it off day by day. It's like the old, uh, you know, you don't you don't you don't get materially fitter by one amazing workout. It's like sixty good workouts consecutively and and consistency. It's consistency is king, and I think that's yeah, there's, there's a tendency to jump and just think, you know, I won't train all week and I'll just go and do a massive thing at the weekend, or I'll just have one really healthy day. Or that's what Gary says. Gary's always like, when people come back from injury recovery, they're like, right, I feel better now. I'll go for like a ten k run. <laughs> Yeah, I added a little thing on my social media, but that was like the comment, like the absolute bog standard amateur footballer. Like, right, mate, pre season's coming up, I want to get fit, and I'm like, right, okay, take it easy. They'll go to a 10k run, or they'll go and do some sort of sh- doggies shuttle thing, lactic acid based, come back. Bit, bit heavy today, <laughs> months, but we go again next day, same workout, the battle again, third day, same again. Hammy's a bit tight, I'll go again, and it's like day week two, Hammy goes. And they're like, oh, I've gutted four-week rehab, four-week rehab. And they'll do the four-week rehab, we'll come back. Physio said I've done too much. First day back after the four-week rehab. Right, 10K run, here we go again. It was like, what the fuck? Just this, com- this constant, like, I need to go. And it holds through to what you said, mate, the zone two running. That is, to me, is the bread and butter of most of it, even for the footballers. Because obviously footballers are, with, are doing a lot of technical training. So they're, they're sort of in that zone two naturally by doing like, the warm-up, the, the, the passing work, et cetera. Yeah. But when I get players and I, they'll say, for instance, say they're amateur players and they're stressed out or they're not at work and they've got high paying jobs, and there's a lot of stress involved, they've got football, they've got a family. And I'll say, like, they'll be like, oh, what? I want to do extra running. I'll be like, cool. And I'll give them some zone two work, whatever it may be. And they'll be like, I tried that zone two with my heart rate, too hard to stay in heart rate. So I just, I just went for it. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's, it. That, that, that's the point in it, mate. The point is you're getting work in, but not actually stressing your system. And it's actually, if anything, it's actually helping you recover, but you're still getting work in. Nah, I can't do it, mate. I just wanted to try and get a peep. And I just cannot imagine the fact Break that... Break free of that. Yeah, yeah. At the end of it, or absolutely knackered, they're just doing anything. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm trying to too much telling you, mate, that if you do this, you're going to be fitter, feel better, and be ready to train hard when you have to train hard. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. You're right. It's so like, 
it's equally like so many, I think runners, especially probably just getting that, hit that gray space of like, you don't run slow enough to properly just be in your aerobic zone. Yeah. And so you end up, but you're not running like max, like your speed either. And I think you just, the danger of training in that gray zone, way better off, like either run slow or have a session a week where you do some intervals and, and get the heart rate pumping. But uh, it's taken it to be a long time to get my head around it too, to be fair. That reminds um, me, you know, like it's like really old school mentality that as well, Gary, where, you know, you go train and I used to play for a club in Ireland called Wayside Celtic and they were up in the mountains and on a Tuesday, they wouldn't, they'd bring the footballs over, they'd leave them on the side of the pitch and then they'd be like, take a look at them lads because you're not going to go near them for the whole night. And we'd be like, oh, okay, cool. And like you might, like you might have won a game five nil on the weekend. So you think coming into train, oh, this would be great. Like, you know, everyone's pumping. <laughs> And because you're on the mountains, they used to make us run this thing called the dingle, which was like this uphill thing in a cow patch. So lads would be like twisting their ankles and like all kinds of stuff, like getting stung by bees. But it was <laughs> it was all like part of the thing. And then I was like, I say 18 or so. so. You're like maybe since school, you're playing on a few different teams. So you're already doing heaps of training. And then I'll never forget, I kind of like had a sore hamstring. Like you were saying, Gary, I went up to train and they were like, well, you're not you're not pulling out of training and i was they were like if you don't if you pull out of training like you're not going to play and i was well, well my hamstring's sore and i literally they met they forced me to train and then like later on i found out i ruptured my hamstring because they literally like it was a like an ego thing or whatever like bravado like you know you know you're a pussy if you pull out of training like you know what's wrong with you you know this kind of thing and I still have a ball on my hamstring now, which is ruptured. And every, whenever I ever go to see a physio, like, whatever happened to that? I was like, well, <laughs> the mountain running. Dingle. dingle. <laughs> yeah, the dingle. Brilliant, man. Well, uh, one, one thing I wanted to talk, talk to about Ed as well was I noticed on uh, the Lung Club website, uh, you mentioned the World Health Organization for the prediction of 2030. Uh, the year of suicide is likely to be the number one cause of death. Mm. That's pretty, I mean, pretty hard hitting. I mean, touch touch on what I've, we've already spoke about in terms of mental health pathways and all the rest of it. So, I mean, what the lung clubs, brilliant what you're doing, mate. So, how do you see your place or the lung clubs' place in fighting that to not be the case? Yeah, I think first and foremost, like I just I want to raise awareness as much as possible, um, just to let people know that really there, there's a really simple there's a simple first step to make and, and by embracing movement i think it's the most powerful thing you can do to set, set yourself on the right on the right track and i think the other element of it is you know surfacing these stories that are already happening all over the world like as i as we mentioned before amazing you know fundraising and awareness whether it's around are you okay day in november and i feel like we've got a calendar now that's really well well programmed really to keep mental health quite near the top of the list a lot of the time um but for me, like going on to, uh, you know, a mental health charity's website and reading about some, you know, ideas around how to help your mental health, I don't find that easy to relate to. But hearing about stories and hearing about what someone else has gone through, that's where I actually, that's where I really feel like I, I get value. And so I think uh, I definitely like to to keep pushing into and 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 keep growing Lung Club to be able to share those stories as much as possible. Um, you know, even one day being able to, you know, have, have the website set up so you could go in and see, uh, you know, filter potentially by what you're going through at the moment and then have a, a load of kind of real life stories of what other people are going through and have been through. Because for me, that that was so powerful. Like, you know, 
thinking about when I've struggled. And then as soon as you hear that someone else has gone through the same thing, it, 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 it does make you feel a bit lighter. Like you don't feel quite so alone and in that, in that journey. And so I think the more we can do around that as well, the better. And then always keeping that community element. And, you know, as we've all mentioned, like the energy you get from meeting up with a few people and going for a run, going for a swim, like there's so much in that. And I think we're very lucky in Sydney of how accessible that is. And um, I think there's a lot of places around the world where that's probably not as easy. And I think as more, we can encourage people to set up their own little groups and run groups and mm. whatever it is, just as a way, just as a simple way weekly to check in with someone um, is often a better way than, you know, going out for a beer or not, not that that's always bad, but you know, it's good to, good to keep, keep a variety of options open. I know it's weird. Sometimes you can get in your own head, right? Where you think, because I, you know, I'm Bondi here and sometimes I do pinch myself and go, almost you feel like, how can I be depressed? Like, look at this place. Like, it's unreal. Like, as you're saying, yeah. I can put my toes in sand within three minutes of my home and, you know, coffee shops on your doorstep. Like, it's like, we are so lucky, but unfortunately, sometimes whatever you're dealing with in your own head is relative. And, you know, I was, chatting to, I was chatting to a guy only this week who was saying that, like, he gets suicidal thoughts every day. And I, when he was telling me this, I was like, fucking, <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't mean to laugh, but like, I was just thinking to myself, fuck, I'm, you know, I get stressed about, I don't know, something silly, like speaking to somebody in a group, whereas, mm. like, he has suicidal thoughts every day. And he, this fellow was, like, in his 60s. And he's still there, you know, so it's kind of like sometimes you think, God, you know, my problems in reality are only about here where others are up here. But you make them like seem like they're just as bad as everything else. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, I don't know what the advice is there, but, you know, not to belittle anyone's issues. Exactly. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like I've had the same thing where, you know, you pinch yourself and you're like, God, I've got a job in a relationship live in Sydney like this you tick it all and you're like oh how could I ever possibly feel sad but of course that's not the case and you know it, it really is you know you shouldn't belittle your own concerns and worries because you feel like they're nothing on compared to someone else's like ultimately you know we, the mind isn't very good at having that relativity all the time and everything is just as as valid so yeah I don't think I think that's that's definitely uh something to be wary of and there's something on your upper lip there we noticed earlier on as well. Like, is that a, is that the mo? Is that a common That's thing? That's the mo. Or, or you, uh, you do it once a year? Nah. A year? Well, no, usually I do it and then I actually persuade myself that I look better with it. So then just leave it hanging on for, for too many months of the year. But now I am, I am fundraising for Movember. So uh, yeah, doing, uh, obviously building to this more than a run event. At the end of the month, we're going to be running 60K from Bombay to Manly. Oh, lovely. Uh, which will be good. And as I said, yeah groups all across Sydney taking part. So that'd be really cool. And um, I think they're up to $200,000 raised actually across the whole, whole, whole spectrum of the group. So awesome initiative. And yeah, I love Movember. I think it's such a, it just comes down to that, that awareness and, you know, making, making men realize that vulnerability isn't weakness, I think is, is really powerful. And I love the fact that it actually, you know, speaks to Lung Club in linking, you know, physical and, and mental um elements of men's health together um across you know testicular prostate cancer and, and mental health and suicide prevention so i um yeah I, i'm closely aligned with with what they're doing and i think it's awesome what's funny with like lo let's say lung club or even running or any kind of sports even though it's physical 
quite often it's down to your mental side as well. So they're actually intrinsically linked both ways. Like if you're out on a run, most of the time, well, I, I think I read some statistic before that scientifically, if you feel tired, you have at least 30%, I think, more in the tank, like physically before your body would give up. And quite often it's just getting in your own head, like, like, oh, can I do another lap? Can I go that extra yard? And most of it's in your head, right? It's not even yeah. the physicality side of it. Yeah, yeah. I, Navy, I think it was a Navy SEALs. I remember reading that. It was some guy, went, I think it was a journalist, went to live with a Navy SEAL for like a month. And he said to him, I mean, obviously the numbers are, I'll just guess he's, but I think he said 40%. It's like 40%. He's like, he made him sleep on a hard, like his, his floor, wake him up at four o'clock in the morning. He's like, let's go and run outside. He's like, it's snowing outside. Let's go. He's like, but the amount of times I was going to quit, then about six hours later, I would actually finish what we we're doing. And he, he just made me realize like I was never anywhere close to finishing. Mm. I, said, yeah. but I, I do think it's interesting having you on it because most people we've spoken to so far, I mean, like you said, mental health, you often automatically think of, oh, depression or something's bad happening, like a suicidal thoughts. And you think of that end spectrum, but a really simple thing, which I think is very relevant to where we live in, oh, I'm not sure you, who you are, Ed, but we're Eastern Suburbs. Is that where you are yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah. Suburbs. There's a big fitness fanatic culture and everyone is very obsessive over aesthetics and what other people are doing and the whole social media thing. And there's not, I don't think we spoke to anyone who's just, it's a very simple thing of, I'm sure a lot of people are going through is become obsessed with what would naturally be seen as a healthy thing. Obsessed mm. with, I'm obsessed with exercise, I'm obsessed with hitting goals, like that, mm. like, oh, that's amazing. But you're like, no, 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 it wasn't amazing. That's yeah, yeah. I mean. That's very, I think that's interesting. So it's, it's, it's good, really good insight. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, I think it's it's an adjustment like a lot of people probably, you know, we're always focused on, I think there's so much literature as well around how can you be your best self, you know, all the, the non-fiction books that just uh, swarm the top tens now are around, you know, being better, better habits, etc. And you know, there's a lot of value in them, but I do think it's uh, the impact on society is that we're constantly thinking that we're not good enough, like we're always got to do more, we've got to run faster, we've got to, whatever area of life it's in. And I think, you know, a lot of the time, you are you're enough already you don't need to you don't need to always be getting better and, and just uh, embracing giving yourself some self-compassion self, self yeah i think yeah. there's definitely danger with all of that gary as well you know where and especially now with like instagram and influencers and all that kind of stuff where you see somebody pumping out some message on instagram and sometimes i would maybe know who that person is or indirectly and i know that like what's going on in their own life isn't actually accurate to what they're showing but to their mm. followers they're they're like, I do this and I do that. And then I know, well, then I know they don't have, they're not eating correctly or they're, you know, being obsessive about their, you know, training and things like that. So like there is that kind of real danger of going the total other end of things. And, you know, you take one walk along Bondi Strand, the outdoor gym, and, you know, everyone there is like absolutely shredded. And, you know, it can be daunting even, you know, <laughs> Like, I, I feel like I've gone to a gym my whole life, like, and I, all I do is train. <laughs> like, I could just never get to, the, like, the levels of these <laughs> books. But they must, what you don't see, I suppose, is the sacrifices that they probably have to do in order to be like that. You know, whether it's relation, like, I'm only guessing here, but, you know, relationships or they probably have insane dietary plans and things like that. And, you know that's not for everyone you know like there are some things like you know i love a chocolate cup of tea things like that 
and it can set these really dangerous like goals for you to kind of go like and then in yourself you never feel content or like every year i don't know if anyone that's listening i always go right summer's coming need to get the body in shape like <laughs> just so you don't feel embarrassed taking your shirt off and uh like jonah hill who's like the hollywood actor is that jonah hill yeah i have that right <laughs> yeah he's like an amazing bloke i actually would recommend anyone following him on instagram mainly because he's so well it's not that like he's his body image has carried with him for most of his life and uh like unfairly in many cases because you know people are like what's it like to be the overweight guy kind of thing and that's what he was known for and he puts out some really positive messaging around body image and taking your shirt off and how that actually like carried with him for most of his life and it sounds like where he's at now he's coming to terms with all that and um, but quite often by people reaching out and, and telling him things doesn't actually help his scenario at all. What he actually needs is people to not reach out to him and not make a thing of it because that's what like put him on that path. Yeah. So yeah, body image is like a whole nother topic, but like, do you come across that yourself or have you had struggles with that? Even your own self? Like, Oh, I'm not as fit as I could be. Yeah, I definitely have. And I think actually, you know, I've I've trained hard, but I've never never had a six pack. Always been a bit embarrassed of my body a lot of the time, and there's definitely been links there where it's like, how can this be happening? Like I'm putting all these hours in, and I'm not the most ripped bloke, and I'm definitely I'm, I'm okay with it now, and I've definitely been able to come to terms with it. But there was a period where it didn't match up with this whole image I'd had in my head of you know elite Ironman competitor, and I was still carrying around a bit of a belly and. Like, yeah, I found it tough. I think that's... Um... And it's not mad, like, where you're a triathlete. Like, like even if you're just like, you are a triathlete. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And yet still, like, you might yeah. be going, oh, I need that extra, like, six-pack or whatever. Like, it's that, just... that, That's a perception. I mean, that's just... that's a, It's so fucked up about the fitness industry, health and fitness industry right now is... Health and fitness to people has been either massive, like, ridiculously huge... Yeah, or being ridiculously lean, which in yeah. often times the people who you see are ridiculously lean are potentially competitors who are yeah. being lean as well. Yeah. And they only do that for they're peaking for that point, and other times they're not looking like that because you cannot sustain that. No, nah. that's it. Or you see a, a celebrity, a Hollywood actor who then gets into those shape, and everyone's like, Oh, have you seen him in that movie? But then four months later, they'll come out and say, That was the worst time in my life. Like, I hated it, yeah. it was terrible. But that's to me, working with different athletes and seeing different athletes, some of the best athletes in the world are not... Look at Tyson Fury, he's the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. 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 You watch a UFC fight as well, you see UFC fighters, I mean, they're in good nick, but you're not going to look at some of them on the top of them and go, like, oh, he must be some athlete. Like, it's a completely different realm. Performance, and whether it be mental performance, some of these guys are... Novak no, like Djokovic, by no mm. means is he going to be shredded, but he's mm. clean, psychologically, pinnacle of elite mental health performance, one of the best athletes of all time, Tiger Woods, like you get through, how many sports can you go through? Yeah. It's a completely, it depends what you want. Performance and aesthetics are just, but now people are trying to merge them both together and it's, they're completely different things and people think you need a six pack to be healthy or fit. It's fucking insane. It is insane. Yeah, yeah. You think you need a six pack. I know people who don't do nothing and if you get six packs, just by genetics. Yeah. It's, it's, look it's, at all the like if you think of all the old footballers in England like Matthew Letizia, Gaza like those guys unbelievably talented players in their own right like I like never had a six pack in their life you know 
Um, and then there was what was that guy in the UFC, the American guy with the blonde hair? He looked like a kind of a prep boy and he had like shredded and he was supposed to be the next big thing. Can't remember his name. And he got through a few like wins and stuff. And then he just got absolutely battered by someone when he got to like the top end of town. And I was just like, now his body was like a, you know, he was like an Adonis. But I, I actually was going to ask you, Gary, where do you stand? Because like, I feel like sometimes, like where did genetics play a role in this? Because some, I know people who are absolutely shredded. They don't train that much. They eat what they want, you know, and they just still look unbelievably <laughs> shredded like do you think genetics plays a role in that and like some people just have it some people that don't and if you don't like don't get beat up about it yeah oh, genetics definitely play a role mate. There's, a, there's a good book if you're interested called sports gene which, which is very very good book to read because uh, i'm a bit deeper about that as well but of course mate like i, I mean i can only talk it from an athletic standpoint mainly is speed is the most common wanted thing in sport and i've got some players who are obsessed with getting getting faster and they can get faster there's a million ways can get faster there's boys who could be in the same team as them who haven't ever really trained speed, but they're fucking shit off a shovel. They're rapid. And I'm like, there's no point in trying to be faster than that guy because you're just not going to be faster than that guy. It's just, that's just his genetics. He's got the fast switch fibers. Not, not to say you can't be faster, but everyone's got different strengths and weaknesses. Your position might be different from him. And you can only play the, the cards are dealt at the end of the day. So at the same time, if you, are, you know a mate who does nothing and he's always shredded, then fair play, man. Like it is what it is. Somebody genetically have to fight a different fight, but you've got things in your locker that probably you don't even know they're looking at you going, I wish I had that, and they're fighting mm. to get that as well. It's just mm. like, you're on a vicious cycle of just not being content with the war it is. And, and not, not to say you can't improve anything, you can't get faster, you can't get leaner, you can't, of course, you can get a six pack, of course, you can get faster. But trying to fight genetics is a losing battle at the end of the day. I remember reading this, uh, hearing a story. I can't remember what it was. It was a really good podcast. And it was talking about, it was uh, no. in America. What was that? Not this podcast then. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, no, it was uh, some guy in America. Uh, his son wanted to be uh, NFL football. I was uh, wanted to be an NFL athlete. So he goes to the S&C coach. And obviously it's huge over there. And he goes to the S&C coach. Oh, my son wants to play. He plays running back xyz wants to do this and snc coach looked at him straight away and says look there's no he's not going to be an nfl footballer and it's like 14 15 and it's like, what do you mean he does this he's like he's not i can just tell like i've worked with thousands of nfl footballers he's got nothing and like nothing no attributes of an nfl footballer like physically it just won't be good but i'll tell you what he could definitely be a basketball player the way, the way he's built, the size of him, the way he's going to sort of develop, he's obviously just past his growth spot and his, the guy's looking at him. His dad's like, nah, nah, but obviously in America you play different sports, so you've got that sort of multi-sport background. He's like, I'm telling you, throw him back into basketball. He, he's got all the attributes of a like an NBA prospect. And then it was like seven years, I, I'll need to try and, I'll try and find the podcast and I'll put it on the Instagram if I can find who the guy was. He became a professional NBA player. Really? Wow. And it was like, but the dad was so, was an NFL fan, loved NFL, wanted something to be NFL, played in American football. But the SNC coach said to him, look, I can put him in this pathway and I can make him obviously more athletic. But he's going to get butchered when it comes to the physical, because there's obviously a physical aspect massive in NFL. He's like, but if I put him in basketball, he could thrive. I'm not going to say he's going to be professional, but he's got the, he's got the height, he's got the build, he's got the agility, the way he moves, his, his hand-eye coordinate, everything's there. And it's just crazy to think, like, that, that guy's dad's trying to fight genetics. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. It's just not built for it. You can see a parallel with 
you know, just think about mental health again as well, like probably the cause for so, so much kind of stress and worry and, you know, people not feeling as good as they can be is half the time not being in your right slot. You know, as you said, like we're all made differently. We've all got hundreds of strengths that other people probably can't do. But, you know, it probably stems from when we're younger and, you know, so many people get funneled into a, a way of life, into a career, which just might not be right for them. And I think, you know, the more attention we can give to young people and get understanding their skill sets and what they want out of life and um, and what they can be good at and getting them on the right path earlier, I'm, I'm sure is going to be a, a way to help as well. Yeah. Really good point. Yeah, because I, I like meditation for me was for some reason that thing where I thought, oh, if I could just do that meditation course, save with that money, do it, it's going to fix me. And yeah. then like, and then just like, it didn't like, I mean, it definitely helps, but it wasn't that silver bullet that I was kind of looking for. And nah. uh, yeah, I don't think that's like necessarily out there. Well, or, you know, it can be one thing for you versus one thing for me. Um, but if you, I wanted to ask you maybe as one last question, Ed, thinking of mental health like in the future like if you had if i was going to say if money wasn't an issue but it's not really like a money thing do you have one vision of mental health like let's say fast forward to the the who organization and what they're saying like what where is you for where is euphoria first where is that kind of like golden pasture like any ideas or where we could get to maybe in the future oh it's a hard one it's a hard one i think you know I think it really comes down to not actually, you know, a, a program or an access to anything different other than, you know, a more widespread social acceptance and more widespread destigmatized state. I think, you know, it's great how much we're talking about it and the way that awareness is lifting. Um, but I think euphoria and, and the best, the best place it can get is when, you know, open conversations are happening, not just in, pockets of more you know educated areas or you know i'm sure there's, there's still so many pockets around the world where it's still not okay to talk about you know talking to you know there's a lot of international um, employees at my job and hearing about the state of affairs in their various home countries and it's still not it's still not okay to to really to open up and, and share how you're feeling and i think if we can get to a point where that's a ubiquitous right that if you're feeling crap you can talk about it um in, in a healthy environment then we're certainly going to be in a, in a better spot very well said yeah because we often forget that we're here sitting in australia which is maybe arguably one of the better places in the world to be if you've got any kind of mental health condition whatsoever never mind other places where if you were saying like if you would actually openly speak about it you, you know your life would be impacted negatively like a lot more than it would be let's say from where we are today so yeah we also have to recognize that it's at various different stages globally you know um so hopefully the likes of who and other organizations internationally can put things together um, yeah you know to help us all 100 well i did a quick final question um sorry yeah, so just normally to finish out, we have these like quick fire questions. So we kind of throw them at you. So don't think too much about them. So first thing that comes to mind, yeah. no answer is a is wrong answer. <laughs> so to start, we always ask, so when are you at your most happiest? Um, 10K, in, 10K into a long run. 
I was going to say, I think I might know the answer to this. <laughs> I've, bro- I've broken through the hard first, you know, 10K when you're a bit sore, and I'm now just like cruising along in my happy spot. Nice. Nice. In terms of the world, where do you think we are out of 10 for mental health? Oh, well, oh, well, 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 well. Uh, <laughs> start that again. In terms of the world, where do you think we are out of 10 in terms of mental health awareness? Mm, I'm, I'm going to be overall positive and give us a, a seven. Still a lot of room for growth, but in the world as I see it, I see a lot of, a lot of positivity. Nice. And in terms of your own mental health, where do you think that is out of 10 right now? I'd say a always room for growth. I'm probably at an eight. Nice. Very yeah. good. And then the final one is if you did have one silver bullet, um, what would you recommend to people out there if they could do one thing a day to improve their own mental health? I'd say buddy up and go for a walk. Probably. I think it's the most global. I mean, I, I love running, but it's not about the, the heart rate being high necessarily, just, just walking. Me and my partner try, and that was a great thing about lockdown, like every morning, just get out for a walk, grab a coffee at the end of it. And, you know, e- equally, it's not so daunting, like get, get up, start your day an hour earlier. Sometimes getting up to go for a run can feel like that's hard to get out of bed for, but to roll out of bed and, and go for a walk is, is just a really nice way to kick off the day and gives you some good headspace. And if not a walk, try 5K run. If not 5K, try 10K. Yeah, yeah. Do a half marathon. If that's still work. not working, start again. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're, I was actually only thinking about this this morning. You made a really good point. And we've heard it before where like the, the micro moves make macro changes. And I'm in this a little bit myself at the moment. I'm not just getting up as early as I would like to. Um, but if you just do it the, one day, that will snowball into the next day. So I'm kind of trying to psych my own self out and go right tomorrow, I'll try and get up at 6 a.m. Because if you get up at 8 a.m., there's two hours of your day already gone where you've missed out on that walk and then you're on the clock and then you're trying to get stuff done and then it just kind of spirals, you know? Yeah, 100%. That old 5 a.m. club book is a good one. And you do, you feel like you get a window of your life that otherwise you just don't get. And if you don't, you can try and say, oh, I'll back end it and I'll have some time at the end of the day. But it's not the same as, as being up when the sun's coming up and squeezing it in before the rest of the world comes at you with emails, with requests, with everything you've got to do in your life that day. You've had you've already won it and you've already had that little window to do what you want with it rather than be bombarded. At that time between five o'clock and say seven o'clock in the morning, I absolutely love it. Because where I live, I live in Alexandria and just like right now you'll hear traffic going past. Yeah. Um, Road. But between five and seven, there's nothing. There's no yeah. people in the street. There's not, it's just silence. I don't check my phone. I'm going to just sit in the balcony. Sometimes I go for a walk, but it's just, it's almost like it's just me in the world walking around. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, there's no other time in the day I'll get this. It's brilliant. And, and, and once you've done it for a week, you go to bed at nine and you're falling asleep easily. And, you know, you're in that rhythm. First few days, it's obviously a bit hard to adjust. Yeah, but... You're like, fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or you hear the birds, you're like, these bloody birds, like, why are they so early? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, Lung Club, mate. So, you've obviously got your website. Yeah. Is that the best place to find you? You've got Instagram. Yeah, follow Instagram's probably where most, most of the stuff comes through. But if you're living in the eastern suburbs, we do a run club every Thursday morning, 6 a.m., North Bondi Surf Club. Um, always, always happy to chat if anyone wants to reach out through Instagram and um, encourage everyone to, to, yeah, just train the lungs, help the mind. And, have you ever uh, thought of doing that? Doing it, uh, for, like obviously you're just doing it in person, uh, Eastern suburbs just now. Have you ever thought yeah. of doing a movement? Like, yeah, I've got some. So I'm from London, and well, 
lived in London before. I've got some mates back there who were doing a little run club back there. Um, yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good to, to grow. The thing is, I think there are, you know, I didn't set it up to to become the run club around the world. And I think there are, you know, even in Sydney, there's great little run clubs. So if you live somewhere else and you want some advice on another one to join, um, more than more than happy to advise on that too. But um, yeah, I, I think for me, it's around the the messaging and the awareness and the and that just just a global community of people who who want to move their bodies and help their minds. Got some good. I'm just looking at your um, little shop here as well. You've got some t-shirts and some hats as well, mate. Look. Yeah, yeah, bit bit of kit. I always think it's it's a funny how often you'd be wearing one and someone you just need one person to say, "Oh, what's that?" and it just gives you a chance to have a conversation about mental health. How does yeah. that like? That's good. That's I like another, it. Like it. Another opportunity. Yeah, the merch is good. I, I was looking at it as well, the caps and stuff. I was going to say, like, that's a real thing in the triathlon world, right? All the cool hats and, like, the caps. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you can't be a triathlete unless you have, like, this cool triathlete hat. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might get can. one, but then I'm running at, like, five-minute kilometer pace. And everyone's like, nah, this fella's a spoofer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, Ed, it's been really good to chat to you. I think, you know from one from well two guys to another guy like it's quite inspirational what you're doing and uh it's also something i don't feel like it's necessarily a massively complex thing but like i think we can everyone can i can see you know when you're looking on what you're doing like it's it's very um inspiring and makes you want to get out and and you know my lesson from this whole thing is to get back into a bit of a routine which is often hard when you get thrown a baby but that's also just a mental challenge that you kind of put against your own self. And it is as simple as just, I know it could be getting up a little bit earlier. So I've certainly been able to take some things back into my own life. So I just want to say, yeah, fair play to you. And, you know, keep doing what you're doing. I yeah, mate, you're thanks, great, great guest to have on, mate. Nice little bit of difference in class to your story and long club. If anyone's in Eastern Suburbs, jump on it. Uh, superb, mate. Nice to talk to you. Thanks so much, boys. Really enjoyed that and love what you're doing here as well. It's just, another great great avenue to be raising awareness and yeah massive respect for what you're doing well whenever my dodgy hamstring is fixed i will join you on one of those thursday morning runs i swear we'll, we'll uh we'll get we'll get back up the dingle <laughs> <laughs> is there an over 35s or a club or a slower a slower pace group you'll be more than quick enough for us don't you worry i was just going to say that um it is as obviously, if anyone is listening, uh, they want to go running and they need a bit of motivation. Is it all just people who are like really no. good runners, or you've got a- no, no, no? And every every run is, you know, we'll we'll you can split up and rejoin any pace. is Welcome. Okay, sweet. Any pace. Quality, mate. Great. Awesome. All right then, boys. Thank you Thanks very for much. Thanks for joining. Again. See you, mate. Yeah. Bye. 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 Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzier, and the Black Dog Institute.